Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 208 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. We're back after taking an impromptu week off the week before. We're back and ready to get to it. Uh, And we're in the season preview mode. The CFL season is just around the corner, and we're kicking off our season preview coverage here by taking a look at the West Division. Uh, Just Ryan and Trey here with you tonight, at least for now. Adam, unfortunately, did have some internet issues. Gotta love technology. Uh, So, you know, you get the two of us tonight. The great Trey Colback is here with me as usual. Trey, how are you doing? Fantastic, man. Yeah, I had to take the week off. Uh, I was working too hard. Mike was working me too hard, man. Yeah, a lot of long... Mike. Mike's a crazy guy. He, he, He really worked his butt off the last few weeks for this hockey tournament. So... I can confirm he's not just uh, dodging us. He, he's actually pretty busy. <laughs> yes, Mike is busy as always, uh, always on the go uh, with something uh, for his company, Game Time TV, who is a presenting sponsor of this podcast. Uh, learn more about uh, Game Time TV by visiting gametimetv.ca. And we are live throughout the night taking your comments and questions in our live chat. Paul, thank you to Game Time TV. Uh, I did get confirmation from Mike just the other day. He will be back in a couple of weeks here, uh, making his triumphant return for our annual fantasy draft, I believe. Of course, you wouldn't want to miss that. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. But first, West preview this week, East preview next week, then fantasy preview or fantasy draft special. And then it gets into week one preview and our regular content throughout the season we'll get into all of that, uh, you know, as we get closer to that and what that's going to look like. Uh, before we go any further here today, I always want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, and Nakota, and Métis Nation. Uh, one thing we did mention last time out on the podcast that I did want to mention again for anybody who may have missed it is we do have a brand new Discord community for the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, you know, we're looking for new ways to interact between episodes all season long, additional content to provide there that we can't, you know, maybe don't have the, the time to fully fit into, you know, sit down and record an episode of the podcast, but uh, if you know, if you want to chat CFL with us, other listeners of the show, join the CFC Discord community. Uh, you'll get access to exclusive community events over time as well. None currently set up at the moment, but you know we're constantly working through new ideas. Uh, if you're interested, check the episode description. There is a link there. Sign up for Discord for free. Uh, we're not sponsored by them, but we do have a Discord community, and we would love to see you there and chat CFL because uh, we like. Getting to interact and chat with all of our wonderful listeners. All right, let's get into talking about the CFL West Division. Five teams out west to talk about here. Trey, uh, do you have a preference? Which team you want to start with? Ah, dealer's choice, man. Throw you know, keep me on my toes here, man. Just throw one at me. All right, well, let's go. Uh, let's just go in alphabetical order here to start. To then, uh, you know, that's a pretty reliable way so uh, let's start off with the bc lions uh last season for the lions a 12 and 6 finish second in the west division they knock off calgary in the uh west semifinal, uh but do fall short to the bombers in the west final there 
Uh, and that is, you know, that's how the last season went out for them. Big story was obviously Nathan Rourke last year and his crazy play that dominated the headlines there. He's off to be with the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. Uh, what is the what are the major storylines in your eyes uh, for the Lions coming into this year? Number one, Vernon Adams, if he can replace Rourke, you know, like kind of on the field. And uh, actually, I'll just throw my hot take out here now since we're with it and then I'll forget later. Hot take, BC Lions, they will be just as good this season, if not better, with VA. Uh, maybe than Rourke. And not necessarily he'll be better, but just, you know, maybe some some new like new things, new pieces, maybe some salary cap that they will be planning on Nathan Rourke giving to him, open some things up. So, yeah, I, I think BC... We'll get through it. I'm not too confident in a lot of the other teams in the West this year, so they're kind of my team that I think it's their it's their division this year. I think to to take it and get a home playoff game in that nice dome of theirs, and then they're just one win away. That's kind of where I'm seeing BC, Ryan. Yeah, well, I want to let, yeah. Let's start with the quarterback position there because you mentioned Vernon Adams Jr. I feel like everywhere he's gone, he's never gotten the true shot. And when he did get a true shot in Montreal, you know, he he looked good. And then they brought in Trevor Harris, I think, in that trade. And then it was kind of one A, one B. And then he was the starter last season. And then Machocha said, "No, Kahari Jones is fired. I'm going to take over as coach, and I want Trevor Harris in there." And then shipped him off to BC and. You know, he, he kind of changed his game up a little bit also as the season went along. We're used to calling him big play VA, you know, making big plays happen, but also taking risks and turning over the ball a lot. But in those games with BC at the end of the season, I think I was reading today something like six touchdowns, one interception for him uh, in that game, almost turned it more into the game manager type role. So I don't know what we're going to see from him this year. You know, he he's, he's going to be the starter. I'm 99% sure he will get the opportunity to do that. But they have depth behind him again. They brought in Dane Evans. They brought in Dominic Davis. You know, if things aren't working with Vernon Adams, you have some other quarterback options behind you to, to rotate in there. So, you know, I'm excited for him to get the shot this year. Excited to see what he can do with it and hope he gets a starting role all season long. But uh, certainly, you know, Dane Evans isn't a terrible backup to have there if things go wrong, right? No, 100%. And I, uh, when we had Derek Taylor on last year, I remember uh, he asked me about VA. So I'm just going to have to deny till I die with VA and, and to prove Derek Taylor wrong at this point. And, and if, he, if he's right, who, who, can, who, who, can, who can be upset that Derek Taylor out? was right about something right and if i'm right then i can hold on to that and tell my grand great grandkids one day right so but um that's just weird that came into my head when we're talking about va so long ago um oh uh, there we go stupid button um bc's kind of the weird thing chris makes a point no butler no um burnham but you know they do have some top talent I think Whitehead's still there, right? And they got some. Uh, who did they pick up at running back? I just uh, saw that. Well, they're 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 one of the teams that's the biggest unknown, I think, at running back because James right. Butler, thousand yard rusher last season. Now he he goes off to Hamilton. Uh, they brought like six or seven running backs into training camp this year. Seems like the lead one would be Antonio Williams, who had spent some time with the Buffalo Bills, uh, from what I've read, but. Nobody really knows, I think, what to expect from the running back position for BC this year. 
No, that's fair. But looking at their quick roster, they got a lot of young guys. And as we've seen in the CFL, the run game is the most underused thing for most teams. So knowing BC, they only really maybe have to run it once or twice here on second and short, a few first downs, and they'll just do what most other teams do and rely on their quarterback for uh, 55 minutes of the 60, right? Yeah, and when you have, I mean, when you are as stacked as you are at wide receiver, like Keon Hatcher, Lucky Whitehead, Dominic Grimes, all a thousand yard receivers last season for the team. You know, Javon Katoy, Justin McKinnis, that's some decent Canadian depth there. Alexander Hollins came onto the scene late last season as well. Like, there's no shortage of talent at wide receiver available to Vernon Adams, uh, and maybe his ability to run with the ball also offsets some of this. But like you said, you know, running backs, and Mike always says running backs are a dime a dozen, and we see new guys come into the league and take it by storm. And maybe one of these guys ends up with a 1,000-yard rusher this year. But I would lean towards expecting BC to be a little bit more pass-heavy than than run-heavy for sure uh, for this season. Uh, Also interested, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, see how things shake up there. I think they've got a couple of young pieces there that are stepping into more more roles, you know, uh, looking at linebacker, I mean, Ben Hoadic was drafted in 2020, or first year was in 2021. Emmanuel Regamba had his rookie season last year. Both played good, but, uh, you know, can they follow that up in year two, year three, et cetera? Uh, and what does Sean Lemon at age 35 have up his sleeve at the defensive line? 14 sacks last season, I think second in the CFL Nobody wanted him for the first couple of weeks and uh, end up coming back to BC. You know, uh, do you think he can still put up those numbers? I don't know about those numbers, but even if he's in there 50% of the time or a rotation guy, that's not a guy that you would hate to have, right? You know, like just the veteran presence alone. Like if you kind of look at the blue, like compare him to the blue bomber one, you know, with Jefferson and Jeffco, they're kind of getting up there too. But if you start rotating those guys in and key, key plays run plays or certain plays you know the defensive mind the defense the d line is like the ones that rotate the most right in the defense Mm -hmm. like everyone else seems to play almost every down out there so i think he'll be fine um and uh no he wouldn't count as a canadian now because he signed with a new team or would he can be considered that nationalized thing I have no idea. Yeah, I like no idea. So you know, if he's considered that, they have a fair bit of you know, they have a fair bit of Canadian talent there sitting on their defense too, right? A lot of a lot of Maple Leafs on their roster. So if he's that fifty percent minus one guy or whatever the rules now say, he's not a bad guy to have, and that helps your ratio out too. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Their offensive line, a couple changes this year. You know, they lost a couple of guys, uh, major pieces along there. Joel Frigoroa, Peter Godbert, but they get Michael Couture in from the Bombers. It's a pretty nice addition there. So I don't know if they, yeah, you lose two good guys, bring in another one. I don't know how much of a step back you take there on the offensive line. I think also it just helps to have a mobile quarterback like VA where, you know, uh, even if the offensive line is collapsing a bit, he'll make plays happen uh, from there. But big question uh, for me is, yeah, what type of VA do we see? Yeah, sorry, I was just going to make, you know, Michael Couture, he jo- joins his ex-teammate, Suk Chung, right? They played together on the Bombers probably at one point. So, now again, it could be some chemistry there. They got some other young guys mixing with some chemistry. I don't mind their old line. I, I was a big fan of Chung when he was a Blue Bomber. I was kind of a little upset we let him go with the Canadian, but you know, we have blue bombers 
surprisingly, we've had abundance at O-line over the last few years, which is not something we can say over the last few decades with our quarterback status, right? So a um, couple guys, the Bombers lost, BC's picked up. I, I don't mind their O-line, and I think they'll give VA a, a decent enough time to uh, – again, he's getting old too. How much is he going to want to rush out of the pocket, right? You know, he's – but I think he'll, I think he'll do fine, and he's got enough speed and talent out there. He's just got to close his eyes, throw it, and some of those guys will just always make plays. Taking a quick look at BC's schedule for this season here as well, uh, they get the Week 21 bye, so no game in Week 21 for them. They start off uh, on the road in Calgary, at home to Edmonton, then in Winnipeg. So a couple West Division matchups there, five weeks, and then. And then a bye, you know, eight or so more weeks, another bye. Pretty balanced schedule for the Lions, all things considered. I've noticed uh, comparing it to other teams, uh, you know, short weeks, they've got five. Long weeks, they've got six. It's pretty average. Not a huge time. Their bye, the weeks are pretty well spread out there for the Lions. So, yeah, I think they're a team that doesn't have a largely difficult schedule. Uh, So, you know, for a team that looks like it's got some, you know, good pieces across the board, shouldn't be too big of a challenge uh, to hinder them from hopefully, you know, being able to just get that consistency going. You have to bring the schedules up now. You're just going to piss me off seeing that the unbalanced and we don't play each team twice now. Why the heck does BC play each Western team three times? Like, what is that? And then they don't play Toronto and Ottawa. Ah, whatever. But no, their schedule other than that's fine. You're like you said, spread out good. Chris says July 22nd is watermelon smash night. That that sounds like a game we all have to go to, right? You know, <laughs> we'll pool pool all our money up together and uh, take a road trip out to that one and make watch Adam cry when we smash watermelons all day. But um, yeah, and you know. I have them finishing pretty high up in there. That late buy could come in handy too in week 21. You know, if they do end up finishing second, then they pretty much do have a buy going into the playoffs, right? And that's never bad. And then the last thing I'm watching for this season with the BC Lions, I think, is what does the home uh, attendance look like? Because they did some great things last season. Like they had those concerts, you know, pregame. Like they, they were selling out a lot of tickets. Uh, Amar Doman did a great job, uh, you know, bringing people in. And I think part of the play of the team also brought people in. You know, people want to go see Nathan Rourke and all of his success. That helped a little bit as well. But a lot of the kind of off-field stuff also. So what does another year look like? I know they've got some fun promotions planned. They've got a great content video team there. So uh, let's see more people in the seats over in BC and really across the league. Uh, even though Adam's internet did, or sorry, you have something. Sorry, it's, it's a nice stadium. It's a nice stadium too. Like, you know, can't ever complain with an indoor stadium, I guess. Yeah. Especially when it gets cold. Um, Adam did, you know, he couldn't be here because of his internet issues, but he, he used whatever small internet connection he had to still send us in his takes on each of these teams. Uh, his big thought on BC is watching the running back position as well. You know, is it is it Antonio Williams that's going to get the starting job there? Is it a rotation uh, between a couple of different guys? That's something we'll be watching throughout training camp, et cetera, as well. Uh, I guess if we're continuing on with alphabetical order, uh, let's move on to the Calgary Stampeders here a second. And we'll get into our full standings predictions and everything at the end of the show uh, later on. And we'll do 
our West Division picks there. But let's talk about the Calgary Stampeders here next, Trey. Uh, 12 and 6 season for them as well last year. They finished third in the West due to a tiebreaker with BC and end up losing to the Lions in round one uh, of the West Division playoffs. I think it's pretty obvious what the biggest storyline for Calgary is this year, right? It's the end of the Bo Levi-Mitchell era. He is off to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They gave Jake Mayer the reins halfway through the season last year. Now they're giving him the starting role coming into camp this year. Uh, what kind of expectations do you have for Jake Mayer uh, taking over here? And uh, I guess Calgary in general without uh, with Bo moving on. Um. I, I think it'll be okay. I think they'll uh they weren't that bad with when Bo wasn't playing, right? And and uh Mayor held his own. You know, I got to see that one game. It was crazy, um, because they blew the lead to Hamilton late. But it, it's um it's I it's still hard. They had a not a great what do you say, twelve and six still last year? Like, and that's what we're considering kind of a down year when you're getting yeah. rid of your franchise quarterback. Like I they, I could see them doing that again, somehow grinding out the wins, and their schedule is kind of like probably going to be the exact same three times against each Western team. And if they win two and one against a few of them, and they sweep a few Eastern teams, right? There's there's no reason why they can't be the same. And Mayor, you know, he's still got some talent around him too. Let's you know, Malik Henry, Bagleton, Phil Pot if he's not hurt. Oh, Luther, you're going to have to say the last name. Um, you guys can say it. I can never say it. Hakuna uh, you know, they... Yeah, I can't. No, not today, man. Maybe <laughs> next week. Not. I've been I've been saying stupid horse names all day for my other podcast, and I'm just tongue-tied out, man. So, um, <laughs> but you know, I don't I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think they'll. I think Mayor, enough. You know, he's it's his first year. He still kind of was in the shadow last year, right? Now it's his team, his locker room. I think that will do a lot for the psyche going forward. Yeah, for Jake Mayer, for me, this is this is his chance to to really take that step forward. I mean, I, I put him when we did our top five quarterback rankings, uh, what a month or so ago now. At this point, I put him as my number two quarterback in the CFL at this point in the season. He has completed almost seventy five percent of his passes last year, even when it didn't necessarily seem as he was having those same breakouts he did the year before because. He came in for like three games, I think, while Bo was injured the year before and threw for over 300 yards in each of them. And it was, okay, Jake Mayer is the next big thing, right? And then last season he was good, but, you know, cooled down a little bit. But a cool down of still 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions, like that's not bad for a guy whose rookie year was the year before. Uh, you know, he's 26 years old. He's got he's got a bright future ahead of him. And with, with a guy like Dave Dickinson, you know, as your coach, like that, that is as good of a, you know, support you can have there. Uh, and he's got a lot of help at the running back position. There is no team more well set up to run the ball down your throat than the Calgary Stampeders. Like Kadeem Carey led the league in rushing last year with over a thousand yards. His backup and third string, Diedrich Mills, Peyton Logan combined for what, 700, 800 there as well. Like, Last season, they put up 1,700, 1,800 yards rushing. I think the Stampeders could be a team that puts up 2,000 rushing yards potentially this season. And that's, I think, my one of my big question marks for, or one of my big stories I'm watching this year is what does the balance at running back look like with the fact that Diedrich Mills played so good in those last couple of games last season 
you know, Peyton Logan's going to return kicks, but maybe spell in there as well. Like, can Kadeem Carey lead the league in rushing still again this year? Or are these guys going to start taking some of those yards away from them? Might start. Might, might, but you never know. I don't know. I, I, I have a bad feeling about the run game in this league in the next five years. You know, it, it's you can only have so many years of Harris and Cornish and guys like that who dominate, right? But these, I think these guys, you threw me off with that one. I don't know. I want them to run. They've always been a run decent team. That's kind of what's helped give Bo success over the few years because, you know, it's given him time and play action and, you know, stuff like that. Because he has been a nimble. He's maybe not the most mobile, but he is not, you know, stationary quarterback either, right? So I think Mayer kind of will need that same formula to produce and got to give your running backs time or receivers time to get open, right? So. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, those receivers, there's going to be some younger, newer pieces in there. I mean, no Kamar Jordan this year, right? That's a piece that they're missing. Uh, drawing blanks on a couple of other. Richie Sandani's off to the Ticats. There's another big name that I'm missing there. Uh, maybe not a huge name, but Sean Bain spelled in for yeah. some games last year. So, you know, they, they're a team that... You know, has there a couple big pieces? You mentioned them already at receiver. And then we're going to see a couple newer pieces kind of rotate in there. And maybe it's some of those draft picks this year. They went heavy on the Canadian draft picks at wide receivers. So, you know, Calgary is a team that always finds the next breakout star. And maybe we're looking at one of those with the guys they picked up in the draft this year. Cole Tucker, Clark Barnes, you know, good guys like that. Rice and John just, you know, wasn't drafted this year, but... Uh, just new freshly in the league Canadian receiver that I know I've heard they're high on there as well. You know, somebody, when you look at the Calgary roster right now, you're not going to know necessarily who they are now, but end of season, mm-hmm. we're going to find out that they're, you know, named an all-star. Yeah. At one point I was looking at, you said mayor 14 touchdowns, you have seven interceptions. The only two quarterback that had a better touchdown to uh interception ratio was Zach Caleros and Nathan Rourke. So, I mean, they're those are good company. That's what I mean. Those aren't two guys you're going to really be losing too much sleep if you're not outperforming, right? So, and one of them's not in the league, and you can always say Caleros. You never know with him. He's a hit away or, a, you know, he's getting up there, right? So, not two bad guys to be in company with. and Because the, the touchdown interception ratio is awful last year. You look like... Oh, yeah, across most, the league. Most guys are even or negative. And it's like, so there's seeing like... Thinking that Caleros threw 13 interceptions and uh, Bethel Thompson threw 15 interceptions on the year—that's so mind blowing. Maybe it's maybe, maybe it's my NFL mind where some quarterbacks can just go like two on the year, and that's considered like average or decent. But then there's some quarterbacks who could throw 20 a game. But yeah, it's just <laughs> me. Me when I play Madden. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I could throw six interceptions and I'll still win somehow. I don't know how, but um. Yeah, but I, I, I think Mayor will handle it fine. And, you know, they still got Huffnagel in the press box and you got Dickinson on the sideline and, you know, the team there. And, oh, I'm sure the horse will even throw in some plays to time to time. If Calgary is going to have success again this year, I mean, if their offensive line can do what they did last season, that would be a huge help. 17 sacks given up last year. Next best in the league was Winnipeg with 29. That's a difference of 12. And uh, for Calgary, that's the best, you know, the lowest sacks a team's given up in an 18-game season since 2004. Just happen to have that stat on hand, you know. It it comes up in conversation from time to time, I hear. 
Um, in those Calgary Stampeder chat rooms, you're always in. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know me. Um, but yeah, I'll throw my, I'll throw my, I guess my hot take ish for Calgary real quick. They'll have a new stadium announcement this year. No, I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. That's not my hot take. I'm going to say my hot take is they're going to have home field advantage come November. They'll out muscle. I have BC. I'll, we're going to talk about more about BC. And I think Calgary is going to outmuster muscle Edmonton and Winnipeg for home field. So that's kind of my hot take. Sorry, can you hear that? My people are texting me, and that's loud. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's got people. Oh, um, my horse people, man. They can't go an hour without me. It's, it's unreal. <laughs> it's a struggle. It's it a struggle. Is. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the offense side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. There's always going to be some changes here and there for the Stampeders. Uh, you know, each season they, they seem to lose a couple of pieces, but they seem to bring in a couple more as well. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they lost Sean Lemon, Fuller, and Orimolade. Uh, but they, they've brought in a couple pieces on at the same position. Julian Hauser, a huge addition from the Tie Cats there. They've got a pretty deadly looking defensive line, even at linebacker, you know, even with Jameer Thurman missing, like Cameron Judge, one of the top Canadians in the league. Micah Awe has been a solid linebacker. Titus Wall could have been a nominee for rookie of the year last year. He was one of my top breakout stars when we did that top five uh, last time around. So this is a team that I expect for the most part on the defensive side of the ball to be as good as ever. I think maybe there's room for a bit more experience in the secondary, but you know, there are some good pieces in there as well, backed by Trey Roberson. So Calgary is a team. I don't see a whole lot of flaws across the board. It's just, can they, can they put it all together out on the field? I agree, man. Yep. And more often than not, they, they tend to, yeah. uh, Adam's thoughts on Calgary here. Uh, he says the C stands for consistent. They'll be good again, but I think that the guy in the backfield will have to be groomed a bit, which is Jake Mayer. So watch him come light up the West on fire because isn't that what always happens with Calgary there? Uh, my, I guess my hot take on Calgary is I think Jake Mayer could be a nominee for most outstanding player at the end of this season. I think he's going to have a fantastic season this year. Uh, I'm really high on him, and I'm happy they moved on from Bo Levi Mitchell and gave him the reins instead of wasting away his contract and having him go somewhere else. Uh, So I think that was a good good decision for them there. Uh, Let's take a brief look at the schedule and try not to frustrate Trey too much here. Uh, For Calgary. God forbid they only play Edmonton twice. What the heck is that? Yeah, they play everybody else in the West three times, except their most bitter rival, the Edmonton Elks, who they only play back-to-back for Labor Day and then the rematch the week after. Uh, But Calgary starts their season off at at home against BC, uh, on the road to Ottawa, and then at home to Saskatchewan, and then they get their first bye. Uh, Ten weeks go by until bye number two, which comes in week 15, then two games, then week 18 by, then three games there. So it's a pretty heavy early start to the season here for Calgary, which, you know, if they get rolling, could be good for them to have those buys in the second half of the season to get healthy for the playoffs. No, exactly. No, no, now it's bothering me because BC played every West team three times. And that I could have handled if it was all the same. But now why... Do they have an extra Eastern game? So Calgary is give that Calgary an extra win because they have an extra East game, right? <laughs> well, 
Every year we think it's going to be the year the East Division comes back stronger. Maybe this is the year. We'll get into that next week. Wow, yeah. Well, yeah, my boy Chad Kelly will throw for 500 yards a game. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, yeah, that's it, the stupid CFL, the buys. You know, it, it's, it's, it's as good as it's going to get. Three games in. I guess there's that long stretch, but it's the CFL, you know. Watch them yeah. go, you know, 10 and 2 or whatever, 8 and 2 in that period. Even though they do have like 10 games between their bye weeks, they also, I think, are one of the teams that has the most long weeks and the least short weeks on their schedule. So, you know, even then you're not playing, you know, five days later. And in a lot of their cases, half their season, they're playing at least eight days after their last game, just the way things work out uh, with their schedules. So uh, it could be a grueling stretch there for 10 games, but also maybe an extra day or two of prep time in between. And other than that, I think Calgary's got a pretty decent uh, schedule for them here as well. Uh, no big long home stands or road trips, really. Seems you could look at forth. That game at the end of August before Labor Day too. That's Friday to the next Monday. That's that's a buy in there too, kind of thing, you know. So right. that's what ten days right there. Yeah. So crazy. Exactly. So I guess our overall takes on Calgary is seems like they've got a lot of room for success here, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that translates out on the field again in the full predictions later on. Of course, uh, let's talk about the Edmonton Elks. Next, uh, this I think is going to be one of the most interesting teams to talk about. Four and 14 season, 0 and 9 at home last year for the Elks. Uh, last place in the West Division, they overhauled a lot of things, uh, this offseason, namely their wide receiver core, which they completely overhauled there. Um, what where do you want to start here with Edmonton? What jumps out to you the most uh, for them this year? Well, like you said, they're overhauling wide receiver, and they also picked up AC Leonard on the defensive line. Uh, they made uh, their Purifoy. You know, they made some big additions out there, and I think that's all you can do. You're going to either have Cornelius, who you're kind of paid to be your starter, or Trey Ford back there, two younger, unproven guys in this league, and. I think they did everything they could to give the either one talent when it's on the field, right? You know, it's kind of hard. They did lose uh, Lawler, right? Yeah. Yep. And they really have a decent running back, right? Kevin Brown's okay, I guess. But, you know, that's really a huge – they lost Wilder. They lost um, – I just saw his name here. Lee Trey, you know, they lost people. So I, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be one of those bubble teams. And my bold prediction, where is it here? I'll throw it out here right now. Um, Edmonton, Trey Ford will be the starter sometime this year, either because of Cornelius' injury or performance. Ooh. Oh, I get it. And, and what do you expect, I guess, from Trey Ford if he does come in and be the starter? Do you think he could take that job away from Cornelius or? I think it would be a long leash knowing uh, Chris Jones, but well, you never know. Chris Jones could also cut like bench Cornelius in the first quarter and then bench forward by the third, right? <laughs> you never know. Oh, and then and then he'll get uh, Deron Carter to go out there and play quarterback or something for the fourth. Uh, you never know. But I think that the leash would be fairly long because they did kind of pay him, right? I thought it was like the 300000 we were talking about that I'm still amazed he can get, but 
I don't know. I wonder if there will be that little bit of buzz because Trey Ford was athletic. He's no Nathan Rourke. He did kind of go to a Canadian college over the NCAA, but he was still very athletic, very talented. And I don't think they're going to convert two of their quarterbacks to those weird gadget plays like uh, Loxley. So I think his it's it's his backup job. And if anything goes wrong, I wonder how much pressure there would be from upper management because maybe even even if the talent's not there, would there again be enough for upper management to be like put the Canadian in? You know, mm. we'll kind of get some of that secondhand smoke from Rourke a little bit coming our way, even if he's not as good. I, I don't know because that's an ownership too that's you know newer and has been really trying to push things. And I think he wants a home win, right? And if the Canadian quarterback gets your home win. I mean, that's a that's a good story. Yeah, you mentioned the leash at quarterback, Adam, uh, the thoughts he sent in uh, kind of aligned that as well, that, you know, Chris Jones, you had a full year. This is when the magic needs to start watching Cornelius. He's getting a chance to run the ship. But Jones has shown before a QB doesn't really mean much to him and he'll he'll change them on a dime. And, and I think that's exactly true. And, you know, this is where the magic needs to start. And for Chris Jones, it always starts in year two. He takes over a team. Year one is, you know, a gong show. It's a circus. It's uh, pieces in and out every single week. I really hope we see roster consistency from this team this year because I think they have some good pieces. The Elks are one of the teams I'm actually most hyped up about to watch this season. And, uh, you know, Taylor Cornelius, I have my eyes on, you know, what kind of thing are we going to see from him this year? Because two years ago, very inconsistent, lots of interceptions, not really seeming like a starter. They decided to bring him back last season, kind of gave him the starting role here for the most part. And he actually looked pretty good at times. Uh, you know, he showed, he showed some improvement in his game last season. Now they brought him in all the tools he needs to succeed with Eugene Lewis, uh, with Stephen Dunbar, with Kyron Moore all coming in at wide receiver. You know, he has every tool in his arsenal that he needs to succeed this year. Now it's up to Cornelius to do so. My one concern for the Elks is the offensive line. I don't love what I see there. I think they should have upgraded that position a little bit more this offseason, but they didn't. Uh, you know, they spent all that money on wide receiver, but does that money go to waste if your quarterback can't get the time to give them the ball? So I know Cornelius is a bit more of a mobile quarterback. He likes to run with it, but he also really likes to just chuck the ball as hard as he can. And if he's in a situation where he doesn't have a lot of time and is using that arm strength, he's going to throw the ball harder than his receivers might be able to get to it in the moment of pressure, right? So uh, I think that's a huge key for Edmonton here. But I've got some hot, I've got a couple hot takes for you on the Elks this year because I love the young pieces they have this year. My One of my big, bold predictions is I think Kevin Brown leads the CFL in rushing yards this season. I was very impressed with what he did in seven games down the stretch last year. I think a lot of teams are looking at a dual back system uh, or at least a second guy to spell some carries off there. I don't think the Elks really have that. So I think Kevin Brown has the ability to lead the league in rushing potentially this year. I also think Dylan Mitchell at wide receiver could be a top five receiver in the CFL this season. Depends how much of a role he gets. Uh, If, uh, you know, with all these new guys brought in, hopefully he doesn't fall to the back burner there. 
but nine games last year, 600 yards. Why can't he put up over 1,000 this season? So those are a couple hot takes I have on the Elks there. Uh, but the biggest question mark, I guess, is when do they win their first home game, Trey? Because uh, they've got that. And maybe this is a good time for me to pull up the schedule here because they've got the promotion on right now where, you know, you claim your home game seat until the uh, until they win a game at home. So looking at their schedule here, week one against Saskatchewan, week three at home to Toronto, six to Hamilton, eight to BC. I mean, I can go on and on, but... When you look at the schedule, where do you see that first home win coming for the Elks? How long does it take? Mm, God, their last home game of the year against Montreal, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to look. Hey, if you look at it, Saskatchewan, that's never a, you know, that's, it's hard to say that. Then you have Toronto defending Great Cup champ. Never know how that could go. Next home game's Hamilton with Bo. If he's on fire, this is a team he's familiar with. Then you got BC, Winnipeg. I mean, I'm sure they could steal one of those, but if you're looking at percentages, right? Maybe Ottawa. Depends on how high you are on Ottawa, but I don't know, man. That's tough. If I, Yeah, I'll say the Ottawa game. I'll change it to that one. August the Ottawa game in week 12. So that's yeah. five home losses before their first home win. Hey, I just, I get, you're not seeing what I'm seeing there and being like, well, it's hard to say they could beat Saskatchewan, Toronto, Hamilton, BC, and Winnipeg. One of my hottest takes actually for the outside, I didn't bring up until now. I think they finished with a winning record at home this year. But if you think, think that, gonna be, I think this team's going to be good. Okay, I'll give it. Well, you know what? Because mm, I don't think Saskatchewan's going to be that good, so maybe Week One. I don't I wonder know, if there's any extra pressure there from upper management of like guys yeah. we really need to win this one. We don't want to give like, away the tickets. I think Edmonton's going to be better than Saskatchewan, but I don't know if like that Week One. I just don't know. Hmm. And, and you right? know. You You know, maybe maybe I'm being too high on the Elks. Maybe it's just that I saw a couple of young pieces that are good for the future there. I also know that Chris Jones, you know, is known for building a stellar defense. And, you know, we didn't see a ton of that in year one. But again, year two, he turns things around. And if he has the pieces there, he can make it work. The defense is good. The offense has the tools to succeed. I surely think this team will be better than they were with their four win season last season. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit too high on them uh, for turning it around so quickly. Uh, but, but I'm up there on the Elks as a team that I think could have a winning record at home and, you know, maybe challenge 500 or above on the season. No, you're, I have, I have them about 500 and probably finishing third. Um, but it's just, again, it's, it's the old stigmas when you're looking at some of those teams, it's really hard for me to think Edmonton's going to beat them, but, uh, you know, new year, I guess. New year. And so many, uh, so many people changing places there, uh, around the league really. So, uh, and with Chris Jones, like we said, changing places every single week, you know, we can talk about all these new guys brought in at positions, but, uh, are they going to be in those positions come 
week one of the season. Interesting note for the Elks that came out a couple of weeks ago when they uh, released kicker Sergio Castillo, who, you know, uh, had a bit more of a down year last year, but is always heralded as one of the top kickers in the CFL. And seems like they just want to go a different direction with some camp competition at kicker. Were you surprised to see him, I guess, released and then subsequently signed by the Bombers like 20 minutes later? I was surprised the Bombers signed him more than anything, you know. Like you said, I think he's lost a little bit of his consistency. So, I mean, I'm not too surprised the team would let him go. It's kind of the nature of kickers. But, yeah, Winnipeg, they just – we'll get to that. But, oh, man, they have, what, five kickers. One never heard of football before, it sounded like, from Australia. And now Castillo and, and Leggy. Like I don't know. They have more kickers than anything else, it seems like. But I don't know. I'm not too surprised, no. Sorry to answer your question in a long way. (laughs) Uh, Defensive side of the ball, you touched on the biggest names. I think they're A.C. Leonard, Luchas Purifoy. I mean, those are Chris Jones-type players. A.C. Leonard used to be, I'm pretty sure, a wide receiver or tight end until Chris Jones said, come play defensive line, and now he's one of the top D linemen in the league. Purifoy can bounce around the lineup. Those are the exact type of guys that a Chris Jones defense built around. Uh, that I think could produce this year. So I'm high on the Elks, uh, maybe higher than I should be. You know, maybe it will come crashing down uh, in, a, in a couple weeks, short time. But uh, I think it's certainly going to be better than last year. And I hope for Elks fans, they get their home win. It's been rough for the past couple of seasons. I remember those seasons at IG Field, you know, right shortly after it opened where the Bombers weren't winning very many games at home and, I still like going to them, but it's tough going to a game and just expecting to lose. I still have my Drew Willie jersey, man. <laughs> Sitting in the closet somewhere. I got to break that one out again soon. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll wear that to my trip to Toronto, a Drew Willie jersey. <laughs> hey, was it? They, didn't we trade? Didn't the Bombers trade Drew Willie to Toronto for I a decent so. package back? I or think so. I can't remember who, but it was. I thought it was him there, and then he ended up in Montreal after, I thought. Yeah, something like something that. Like that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next team here and talk about uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Real unfortunate that Adam's uh, internet didn't hold up to, to come, come in and chat about them here. There's the Riders hat. I figured you'd be grabbing that there. Uh, I guess we'll start off with kind of his takes on and rattle those off because uh, he's the most in the situation for the Riders. Uh, he says it's do or die time for Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. Both contracts expire this year. Expectations are to turn the fortunes around in a hurry. Uh, and he wants to see playoffs at a minimum uh, to save their jobs. Uh, watching the offensive line, since that's what killed them last year. They got some additions that look good in Peter Godber, Philip Blake, but it's still a work in progress. Uh, and the wide receiver he's really watching this year is Jake Winicky. He thinks they'll focus on the run, but they need a number one receiver. He has all the tools, but at a down 2022, can he come back from that? Yeah, so let's break this down, I guess, starting at the first point. Final year of the contract for Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. How short is the leash for these guys? If things don't go as planned early in the season for the Riders, do you think there is a a, a chance we, we see them make a move there or are we, they riding it out with what they've got? 
If there's somebody they can replace them with, that's always the thing with management, right? We kind of thought that with Ottawa that maybe Lapo would have a longer time because who's going to replace them? So I don't know if they if they hire within. I don't. I think I think their window's shut. Like I thought their opportunity was what we keep saying Hamilton needs to do this year and win the cup when it's at home, right? And I think the door is shut. I think it's kind of a long ball signing to get Harris and be like, oh, he's going to be better here and we're going to give him the same or similar old line that we gave Fajardo and expect better things. Like, what's the definition of insanity, Ryan? You know, <laughs> it's, um, I, I don't, I have not too much high hopes with Saskatchewan. I, I know, God, for, for Adam's sake, for Adam's sake, I really hope they prove me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to be that typical bomber fan that goes boo riders. I, I honestly don't think they have much to go for. My hot take, I hope Trevor Harris has a good washing machine because he'll be washing the grass and dirt stains out of his jersey all summer, fall long. Some improvement to the old line, but I don't think enough. Tough times in Ryderville for one more season. 2024 will probably be the year. Tank for Wark Jr. is uh, my... Uh, my Ooh. suggestion, if I, I, you know, I, I, he's probably not coming to the CFL, but if, you know, if I think that's the guy that I, I would try to go for, if I'm Saskatchewan, you know, Harris has got maybe what, one or two years at best in him. Well, they signed him for two years, but he yeah. is age 37. That's what I mean. So if you have Harris this year and you have him as a solid backup, if you were able to sweet talk a guy like, uh, Curtis Rourke, if he doesn't work out in the NFL or somebody else, right, then it opens some things up. But I just don't see them having enough to – I hate it because I, I want I want Adam to feel better this year. He had tough times last year, and us three Bomber fans are talking about after on the bus ride home how good our Bombers are, and he's still crying from the riders losing the night before. It's you know, it's I feel bad for the guy. I want them to do good. I, I, I don't think Mason Fine is the is – the, solution i don't think uh dolugala if he's on the team still he's pending a dui chart still i thought <laughs> so i don't know you know yeah I, I i started looking up the definition of insanity in the dictionary and i went to the merriam webster dictionary and then you know figured nobody wants to hear me just read the dictionary on the podcast or maybe you do let us know if you do and we'll make that a regular segment uh, but, like a, that's not like an SNL skit, like big words with Ryan or something. Yeah, you know? perfect. <laughs> yeah, we'll all learn from the dictionary together. Yeah, new look Riders offense across the board this year. I mean, Trevor Harrison at quarterback. Running backs are still the same. Jamal Moore, Frankie Hickson, great running back room there. Wide receiver is completely overhauled. Keon Schaefer-Baker. I mean, the Canadians are back. Schaefer-Baker's back. Mitchell Pickton's back. Braden Lenius is back. But Kyron Moore is out, Shaq Evans is out, Duke Williams is gone. They bring in Darrell Walker, Jake Winicky, Sean Bain at, at that position as it, well. Isn't Schaefer Baker out for a while too, though? He is out for yeah, a while, yeah. I believe, yes. At least the start of the season there. Uh, and new offensive coordinator, Jason Moss is out. And uh, running back coach Kelly Jeffrey is in at, uh, at the uh, co offensive coordinator position there. So... You know, all the focus is on the offensive line uh, and whether that's going to be improved and it's going to need to be improved because 70-something times on the ground last year for Cody Fajardo, like you can't have that, especially Trevor Harris, a quarterback that I think is even less mobile than Fajardo is. Like if the offensive line can't give him the time he needs back there, 
you're going to be in trouble. And, and, you know, I, I don't feel like Trevor Harris personally is the end. I'm not high on him. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I think he does do good things. He's boomer bust. He has games where it looks like Trevor Harris can light up the world. And then he has games where he just can't put the ball into the end zone. And that's been the knock on him almost everywhere he's gone. And the reason a lot of people don't put him in that upper echelon of quarterbacks in the CFL. So for a team that I think almost needed to settle things down a little bit last year and get some consistency, I do have some concerns there. Um, but what do you think, yeah, about all those other changes on the offense, not just the offensive line there? Uh, what do you think, you know, offensive game plan? Do you expect a lot of changes? Jason Moss didn't run the ball a whole ton. Now your running back coach is, is the offensive coordinator. Are we seeing a flip of the script? I don't know, just because they're a running quarter, running, running, like most times quarterbacks are the running back quarterbacks because they know where the running back's supposed to be. So that's not a, <laughs> when you're a head court coach. I don't know if you want to give your run. I don't know. I, I don't see them. They, they have the talent at running back. That's probably the one position where I'm like, okay. And their receivers, if they stay healthy, I think they have a shot, but I just don't think Trevor Harris is the guy to get it out to them. But I get, I guess the key to success would be run the ball. I mean, the, and it's going to get cold fast in Regina, and there's going to be big games in September, October, November that they could win with that, right? And and that's usually how they beat us on Labor Day banjo balls, right? Riding the ball down our throats, Ryan. So it uh, seems like the Bombers can never stop a running back on Labor Day. So I, I guess that's their key. Defensive side of the ball, I mean, they look pretty good there. Uh, linebackers specifically, they're kind of stacked with Larry Dean, Derek Moncrief, and Micah Tights. I mean, that's a, probably the best linebacker core in the CFL, to be honest. Along there, you know, Pete Robertson, Anthony Lanier, Micah Johnson, Stephen Banks, solid on the defensive line. And a bunch of good pieces in the defensive backfield, too, including Roland Milligan, who put up 71 tackles in his sophomore season last year. Uh, so I think it's a good team, you know, pretty good team on defense with just a lot of unknowns on offense. Uh, I, you know, with those pieces where it seems like they've got the pieces to succeed, but can they gel and produce, you know, to the level they used to, because even those guys they brought in at wide receiver, uh, Darrell Walker and Jake Winnick are the big two. These are guys that have been top tier receivers in the CFL, but had down seasons uh here and there over the past couple of years so you know is this a scenario that brings them back to the top is is my big question yeah maybe i don't know I don't i'm know really not high on the rough riders and they have good defensive points like you your pieces like you said i'm just worried about their secondary they let so many big plays out like Again, I was at Labor Day, and there's just sometimes you're like, you they had the bombers second and long, or you know, second and medium, and they just couldn't stop anything to save their lives, right? And I just that's what that's what's going to kill you the most in the CFL. You know, you have those second and longs, you need to have a secondary who can shut down the deep thing, so you force them to the underneath route. And I just don't know if like I don't know if you're going to just magically get that this year, but maybe they will. Take a look at their schedule here for the Riders. Um, you know, starting off the season, this is a weird quirk in the schedule to me that normally we see cross division games early on because they really want to end the year off with those, you know, rivalry games. 
The Riders don't play an East Division team until they head to touchdown Atlanta and play the Argos in week eight. Uh, and then in the second half of the season, uh, you know, week 16 onwards, it's it's three games uh, against the East, two against the West. So interesting schedule quirk there. You know, for it concerns me that early, this is a team that I think is going to take a bit of time to gel and early season that's against it's against division teams that you need to beat, right, to, to move up in those standings. Those are extra crucial. So that worries me that first eight, seven games, or I guess six, because there's a bye there, all in division, if this team is going to take a bit to get going. Yeah, getting going three and three or three and four, four whatever, would be kind of a win, right, through that. Uh, See, it's that same thing, like, those are all just going to be dogfights. Like Edmonton, we were just talking about, should be better. Winnipeg, when, you know, could still, we'll talk about them next. Calgary, we think, like, it's going to be tough. And I'm going to be sick of them seeing them four times, counting preseason. Like, I swear, we should not see them in the playoffs, right? Like, <laughs> you very oh, well good, though, right? Yeah, that's going to drive times. me up the wall. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I, I think they'll be fine. I don't know. I don't. I'm so torn. I was not. Pre- I thought I had this all settled down, and then you always make such good points, Ryan. And then you oh, like make me change my mind a little bit. But I still think they're going to be the bottom feeders this year. And Adam can next draft lottery or whatever draft Adam can be happy, and they can draft. Uh, they'll draft Curtis Rourke, and then he'll get signed by, you know, some team. Hope I wish he's in. The, if he he better go to the AFC South so he can play against his brother like twice a year. That'd be. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. Uh, long stretches between buys here for the riders as well. You know, week four, week 12, and then week 21. So after those first couple games of the year, it's like seven games and eight games between their buys. So they're nicely spread out, kind of even, I guess, throughout the season. But is there a bunch of teams that have the buy last week? Because I thought we already looked at one that did. Yeah, the, the the end of the season is weird this year. Weeks 20 and 21, I think three teams are on the bye in each of those this season. So the last couple of weeks, they're doing three games apiece. I wonder if they're playing into a little bit how last season week 21 was completely meaningless because uh, every playoff spot was solidified. It was really boring football. Uh, so maybe they're trying to give more teams the bye in the final week to avoid that. I don't know. Maybe that would be my guess. Yeah, a lot of teams yeah, are gonna exactly. are gonna have that buy and potentially have uh, you know two weeks, three weeks off before their first playoff game if they finish first place in the division. Okay, yeah, BC, Edmonton, Saskatchewan. Yeah, so three Western teams get the buy. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting yeah. schedule quirk. Yeah. I would love to have somebody who makes the schedule come on the podcast one time uh, and just pick their brain on, on how they end up with what they do end up with there. Um, yeah, that's big things, uh, on the riders. Any, any other thoughts on Saskatchewan here that we haven't covered? I guess my bold prediction that I had for them was that, uh, Craig Dickinson is let go by Labor Day. Uh, but you made the interesting point earlier of who's going to come in and replace them. The coach's cap puts a, a bit of a, you know, situation in there as well, but, Overall, I guess my big thought on the riders is all the off-fields 
cut the cut out the off field crap that they dealt with last year and the on field crap. Like there was there was something new every week that put them in the headlines for all the wrong reasons and seemed like there was no discipline for the team. And you're not going to win a ton of football games if you're not being disciplined. So I know a couple of the players that were involved with that are now off the team. Uh, but, you know, Craig Dickinson was often in the media talking about, you know, the actions of his team and, and you know, maybe defending him, them, which of course you're going to defend them, but, you know, it was kind of not well received. So if nothing else this year, the riders just have a normal season, like just have a normal year that puts you back in the fans, good graces and shows that you're getting things back on track. It might not be enough to save their jobs, but hopefully it uh, brings back some goodwill to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And they want to go out with a bang too, because it's probably not their last job in the CFL, right? You know, they'll get picked up by some team next year that's struggling when that needs a GM or a coach, right? Those, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you think they're going to be a lower down in the standings? Six wins last year, over under that for the Riders this season. Under. 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 Yeah. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess right around. Maybe I'll say like right over. I could see them getting like a 7-11 and 11 type season. I think the West is going to be a log jam across the board. I mean, I predict that every year. That it's going to be a coin flip between all five teams. But True. But, all right. Let's move on to our final team here, which is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 15-3 and three season last year. They head to the Grey Cup for the third straight season. And fall just short against the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, don't complete the three peat there, but another great season for the Bombers last year. Uh, what are your major storylines for the team that coming into this season? Kicking, get a kicker is number one, and not well, no, not just get a kicker, but get an actual kicker is the number one. Two, I'm concerned about their age. Um, Looking, Caleros is a year older than Bo Levi, and, you know, we're all talking about slow Bo. I don't know. I, I wonder – I heard this from another podcast I listened to. If we kind of have a Tom Brady mind a little bit where we've seen him do it, now we're watching LeBron, who's nearly 40 somehow. I thought the Lakers sucked, and now they're in the East or Western Conference Finals. You know, we see these one or two guys in every league go to 40, so now we think – it's the norm. And I wonder, cause you know, Calaris did have some injury problems. The old lines getting a little up there. He was on his butt a little bit more last year than he was the year before. Um, I just wonder if that's going to be the issue with them. Yeah. They got tons of receiver talent, but I wonder if that's going to cause issues somewhere else with depth, you know, like Dembski and them. I don't know if they're going to get transferred, like transferred to linebackers and, cornerbacks and stuff if there's injury problems there or something's going on so yeah we're going to be stacked at receiver but i don't know there's a lot of age what if biggie goes down what if jefferson goes down then those holes start to open up a little bit i think ryan yeah so starting with the kicker position because that's the talk of the town really with how many different guys they did bring in uh to training camp and you know, I, I, I thought Mark Leggio deserves another chance after last season. I think it was overblown a little bit by the couple of misses. I mean, the couple of misses he had were cru in crucial moments, which was unfortunate. But, like, if you take a whole season across the board, 
Like he misses that kick at any other point in a game, for example, we're not talking about it as much, right? We're talking about it just like any other kicker. I thought he showed strides forward. Uh, He's Canadian as well. So I would have liked to see Mark Leggio get the kicking job and give him another shot this season. And that's maybe a hot take there for the Bombers. I was a bit disappointed in that regard when they brought in Sergio Castillo, but I also do think Castillo is a good kicker. You know, 2021 Grey Cup, he deserved to be the MVP of that game, in my opinion, uh, when they did win that one, because I think he went five for five on field goals there. So probably looking at a case where he's kicking, Legio's doing the punting, uh, which I thought he actually did a solid job of last season. I I really liked his punting because that was my concern when he kind of was a little bit near the season before, but he really got his punting down. Yeah, so that's not a bad, actually, dynamic duo to have there. And it's competition. You know, you have a punter that is a decent kicker as well. Castillo goes down. Castillo starts struggling. You can put Leggio in there and see what he's got there Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Other things we were talking about, you know, Zach Caleros being up there at 35 years of age now. Um, Go back to 2019, as early as like a week before the trade deadline, when he was traded to the Bombers. Not a single person out there could have expected him to do what he's done since then. Right. We all thought Caleros' career was going downhill from injury. You know, he had struggled for a couple of years. This isn't the same guy that lit it up with Hamilton uh, at the peak of his career there. And he's done wondrous things. I mean, he's been the MOP the last two seasons there. I think I was reading there's a you know CFL article on the, the Bombers' depth chart I was just reading earlier today. Uh, that had a note in there, you know, on the, on the CFO website. I forget who wrote it. I apologize. Uh, but Zach Oleros, if he could win MOP again this season, only other quarterback or last quarterback to do that, I think, was Doug Flutie uh, in the CFL, which is pretty darn good company. I'm always waiting for the moment where it, it doesn't work out, though, right? I'm waiting for the moment where Caleros gets injured again. I'm waiting for the moment for the regression there, even at, you know, with the offensive line aging a little bit more, are they going to take a step back? That is, I'm with you on the age thing of, you know, when is it going to break? Because I look at the roster and I look at the names on the roster and for the Bombers, like this is a, still looks like a stacked roster that should be able to compete for a spot in the gray cup once again this season if you look at it based on the names and how they've played but you're always wondering are they going to take that step back uh and i think that's a concern there i think that's a concern adam has specifically with their defensive line uh from the notes he sent in to us you know it's another year older uh is this going to be a team that the scary offense bails out the defense uh, what do you think about the wide receiving core, the offense as a whole? I mean, we talked about Caleros, but with how good the offense was last year, now you bring in Kenny Lawler. I mean, and I think we were all kind of surprised by that one. Mm. I hate to say it, but I think that this is the team that you would want. I, I'd rather, I would have been content if they didn't sign Caleros and they went with uh, their backup or someone new, like with the age and stuff, this is that kind of the year, but maybe the team will keep it around for one more. What Claris is here for four more, three more, three more, I think three more Two this one and two more, whatever. Yeah. But still that's, he's going to go to 40. Ooh. But this year, we're talking about this year. 
I don't know. I'm surprised. Like, is how is that receiving core? They just said, screw it. We paid a fine this year. Let's pay a fine next year. Like, or I don't know, all the hush money. Like, I, I'm really curious where I wish we could. I wish there was cap friendly for this because I want to know how this all fits in because I don't know. Yeah, I thought what we were talking about how one of them would have to go kind of right. We didn't think Bailey was even going to come back, but then they somehow get Lawler and Bailey and Dembski and you know and 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 all those guys so oh I, I don't know I just I don't know is there enough playing time for all of them that's gonna make a huge difference that that's what I'm wondering too and I'm almost waiting for like a training camp cut or two right because just uh you know trim the roster down but it's like who is gonna be cut like I would say the lowest on the totem pole here I mean there are some lower down ones as well right the receivers that we don't know as much about but we've got Carlton Agadosi who was they were high on in the two games he played before he got injured you know he's kind of I think that first backup currently Rashid Bailey decided to take a pay cut to come back here to Winnipeg when he could have gone and probably become you know number two number three receiver somewhere else maybe now he's looking at number four on the depth chart, you know, do we do we see him in a lesser role this year after his 700 yards last season? But I wonder if, like, to me, I would be shocked to see a guy like that let go after he took that pay cut to come make it work here in Winnipeg, right? So I don't know. I don't know if they're how you fit everybody into this offense. And it makes me wonder for a guy like Dalton Schoen, who put up 1,400 yards last year in his rookie season, what does a sophomore season look like for Dalton shown here this year as with all of these other tools in place, do you think he can produce at the same level he has, or are we going to see, uh, you know, quite a drop off, not which might come due to, you know, the ball going elsewhere. I don't know. Would you have not thought that some team would have made an adjustment last year? You know, like why do we think that they're going to make an adjustment this year if they couldn't do one at one, any point last year? You know, like what because they had a whole I don't know. I don't think he'll completely drop off. Is he gonna have the exact same numbers? No. Because especially now you got Lawler, you still got Dempsey, you got all those other guys. I think that yeah, but I think but I think even if he gets double covered, it's not gonna be like he's double covered, so then Caleros has no one to throw to. It's Sean's double covered, so now Lawler's wide open, right? Like right. I think I think that's why his numbers will drop, not necessarily him underperforming. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree there as well. Um, I think it's going to be hard to produce at the to level he did, but um, the other thought, uh, we haven't really talked about the running back position. That is one of the players I'm watching most this year is Brady Oliveira. A uh, thousand yards rushing last year for him in his first full year as a starter for Winnipeg. He really didn't have a great start to the season. Second half of the season, he turned it on and still put a thousand yards up on the board in a team that, you know, has all those weapons at wide receiver. What kind of season do we see from, from Brady Oliveira this year? You know, I, I would like to think he can hit a thousand yards again. You know, how many could he have hit last year if he had a full 18 game season of consistency there? Um, and what's the, what's the limit, I guess, is the question. Do you think he's a guy that could challenge for that you know league leading rusher role potentially or is it just with the additions to the passing game is it now on the back burner for the run game i don't know i'm kind of in the boat with adam adam's not a big fan of oliver i'm not as harsh on him as he is but 
that yeah that thousand yards so snuck up on me i'm kind of like why do we keep giving this guy the ball when we got augustine mccray my boy mike miller my fantasy hero you know we got all these other guys in the back in the backfield but you know i guess he did get the job done he only got four touchdown five one receiving and four rushing but that just seems like your running back should be one of your go-to guys but it seemed like even down in the goal line they were play action throwing it or you know something like that so it seemed like the run game came more when near the end of the season and they, they had a lot of receiving injuries too at one point right so unless that's what all these signings are for is to prepare for that but i don't know i he's, he's gonna be in the top three or four because no other team's gonna run right like he'll be that but is he gonna be the dominant guy like harris was is he gonna be the dominant guy like you know other people have been no i don't think so all right let's take a look at their schedule here yet for winnipeg as well uh they start the season at home against hamilton why don't why do we not have the gray cup rematch in week one that's one of my biggest bones to pick with the schedule they only play the argos once uh which is at home in week 17. uh andrew harris finally comes home to winnipeg because he didn't last season uh, yeah, if he's healthy, if he's healthy by week 17 of the season, like that's one of the biggest misses to me is I think you know, week one should always be a rematch of the great cup. Right. Like, I, I think so. Thursday night or opening Thursday or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like week 17 against the Argos great cup rematch. Isn't a juicy matchup to me at all, because we're at a point in the season where, you know, the, you know, these teams that went to the great cup last year could, you know, be two win teams, for example, like if something goes wrong for Winnipeg you know, or, or Toronto or, you know, one team could be, you know, bottom of the standings, one could be at the top, both could be in the middle. Like it, it doesn't carry the same weight as it would to say these are the exact same two teams with some additions going head to head in week one. So that to me is a big miss there, but they do play the Thai Cats at home in week one. Uh, their schedule early season is pretty much home and road, home and road, uh, trading them off there. Bye weeks, weeks 8, 16, and 19 for a team that, you know, I think tracks to be higher up uh, in the standings. I like that setup there. A couple of buys, you know, late season where last, you know, week 16 onwards, you're playing two games at a time. Uh, or week 15 onwards, you know, two game by two games by two games like that should help the team, I think, stay a little healthy for that that end of season, especially if they're in a position to rest guys. I don't know if they will be. Uh, I like the schedule for Winnipeg. I think it's one of the easier ones of the teams we've looked at so far. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not high. So this is my hot take. I've said it before, but my hot take is I don't think they'll be the powerhouse. I think age will catch up to them. Uh, my little note I have says uh, I still be I'm still thinking they'll be getting slurpees at 7-11 by November because that's what their record will be. 7-11 uh, come end of Ooh. November. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, you know, the yeah, stack receiving core. Claros at 35, defense and O-line aging. Coaching can only do so much, Ryan. That's why I, I know it's it's that's I can admit I'd rather be harder on my team than be one of those people who completely like so I, I can't I can't do it. Like I I see their flaws and I'm more because if I say 7-Eleven and then they do anything better than that, I'm happy. 
right? Like they they overperformed for me. I like we were just talking about we we lived through the Drew Willie years. We lived through 29 years, Ryan. I will say they're going to go 7-11 in the hopes that they'll prove me wrong. They listen to this podcast. It's obvious. That might be one of the hottest takes yet, I think, uh, of the ones we've given out on here. I, I like the bold takes. I like the bold predictions. I like that you backed it up with what you what you know what you've been talking about there as well. Uh, I don't see it. I think this is going to be a team that's uh, that's near the top of the standings uh, once again this year. You know, the team is going to regress over time, but I also think they've done a decent job of bringing in new pieces to supplement some of those aging vets uh, there as well and, and rotate them in. So uh, that's what we've got on the Bombers here. And, you know, those are our five teams in the West Division, which means now I think we, just to wrap this up, we get into the point of let's make our West Division predictions here. Um, how do we want to do this? Do we want to rotate through like five, 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 four, or do we want to just go five to one each list off what we Just got? five to one each, I think is fine. You want to go first? Sure. So I'll start from the bottom here. I got um, fifth place in the West. I predict the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at five and thirteen. I got. Uh, we all know what I got. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the uh, Slurpee Capital, seven eleven, in fourth. In third, I didn't do the math to see if this is mathematically possible, but this is kind of my range here. I got Edmonton nine and nine. In third, uh, Calgary in second, 11 and seven, with the BC Lions getting first place at 13 and five. Oh, wow. Very high on the BC Lions, like you called out earlier. I don't think VA will be that much of a drop off. I, 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 you know, it's not clearly Captain Canada, but I think he'll do enough you know he's not going to do a, what a third inches screen a sneak all the way around the outside like rourke did but i think they'll get things done all right but uh for oh well, let's go to adam's left uh, or adam's next because i'm still thinking for mine uh adam didn't send in any records but uh in first place in the west division he's got the calgary stampeders saying they still have the best run game in the league that's going to propel them to first in the west division He's got Winnipeg in at number two saying, look at that receiving core. Look at it. Uh, don't look at the defense because he's not as high on the defense there. Uh, BC in at number three uh, saying VA has a very consistently inconsistent year. Uh, at number four, he's got the Edmonton Elks. Not a crossover uh, playoff spot for them, unfortunately, but they do get a home W, according to Adam. Uh, and Saskatchewan, he says, uh, blow it all up. Uh, they're getting fifth in the West Division, uh, is Adam's pick there. For my picks, uh, you know, I'll go top, I'll go bottom up for suspense. Uh, at number five, I also have Saskatchewan. Uh, I think that's a team that I, you know, I want to say, I think they'll be better, like I said, than last season, but struggle a little bit to see them vaulting ahead of these other teams. Here's where you and I disagree, but I have BC in at number four. Uh, you know, they they don't stand out to me uh, as a team that I'm, you know, upper echelon uh, high on uh, in terms of what they've done this year. I think they did lose some pieces there uh, that I am concerned with, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, a couple big names there that they've lost, you know, Brian Burnham's out. Really the question marks of the run game, uh, and what are we going to get from 
Vernon Adams. I think he'll be good. I don't think he'll be Nathan Rourke good. I would be shocked if he is, and if he is, put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but uh, I have BC finishing at fourth in the West and a bit of a disappointing season there for them. I'll put Edmonton in at number three as well. Really wanted to put them up into number two. Could you imagine the Elks going winless at home last season and then they get a home playoff game this year? Uh, but I've got Edmonton in at number three. Again, I'm really high on them. I think they'll be improved uh, this season quite a bit. And so I feel comfortable putting them in that middle spot there. Uh, I've got Calgary at number two. I think Jake Mayer is going to have a fantastic season this year. I think they're still a good team across the board. Uh, but I do have Winnipeg at number one in the West division. I just, on paper, I see what they have available to them. And the big key, if everybody stays healthy, I think they should be able to win the West division once again. But the West to me is a coin flip. Always. It's, you know, when I'm talking about one team finishing fourth versus a team finishing second, it's separated by like two wins. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of teams just above or just, you know, around the 500 mark there. So that's what we've all got for our West Division standings. Uh, what do you got for your West Division playoff picks here, Trey? So who do you have? You had, uh, remind me, what were your top have, three teams, I guess? I'd have Edmonton going into Calgary in the semis and then BC sitting in the wings in first. So Battle of Alberta, let's give it to Calgary. And then Calgary into BC. Hmm. Give it to BC. You'll take the home teams both times. All right. So you got BC going off to the Grey Cup there. Uh, for We'll go back to Adam next here. He's got, uh, well, let's see. He has, I guess, BC going into Winnipeg. Winnipeg winning that one and going to Calgary. Calgary winning the West Final and going off to the Grey Cup there. Like you, I had Edmonton going into Calgary, uh, and I also have the Stampeders winning that one at home, uh, coming in to face the Bombers uh, in the West Division Final. Oh, what do I want to... See, my head actually legitimately says the Bombers, but I'm scared people are going to be calling me a homer there, but... Also, uh, yeah. I, I'm told I have Calgary Stampeder bias also, so now I'm in a, in a log jam here. <laughs> it's a tie, man. It's a tie. I don't know. Um, I'm going to take the Bombers and go back to the Grey Cup. Fourth straight season. Uh, I, I think, you know, they're, they've played really good at home the past couple of years. They always play tight games with Calgary. Uh, and I think they're going to get it over. Uh, they're going to go over the top, you know, when it matters most there. You know, chalk up the playoff, you know, success maybe and the inexperience of Jake Mayer didn't have a great playoff performance last season. Uh, I'll give Winnipeg the bit of the nod there over Calgary in the West final. Uh, but wouldn't be surprised to be wrong there. Also, uh, so there we go. That's what we've got for our West division picks. Uh Adam's internet's finally working. He popped in the YouTube chat to tell us, so we all just assured that Saskatchewan will finish first. As we all said, they'll be last. Yeah, we could be entirely wrong on our predictions. Uh, we generally are. Uh, don't take uh, these picks and go to Vegas uh, is my general rule of thumb there. Anything else on the West Division you want to talk about, Trey? Or should we wrap things up? I'm good to wrap things up, Ryan. I think we did it. 
The schedule sucks. That's about it. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Let me uh, let me flip over to my other screen here. And this is the tab I want to show for the video. There we go. Uh, as we get into wrapping things up here, that was our West Division preview. Next week, uh, we will be previewing the East Division in a similar format. Uh, so we'll take a look at the four teams out East, make our predictions there as well, talk about the major storyline. Same time, same place, Wednesday night, 9.30, Winnipeg time. Uh, adjust to your other time zones accordingly. Uh, make sure you subscribe over on the YouTube feed there to join us there live, or you can catch the audio podcast uh, generally the morning after in your favorite podcast feeds. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Same thing with Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod. Uh, you can follow us there. Um, make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Cooper Trooper 42 on the Twitterverse uh, there. Uh, Trey, where can people find, uh, what do you all got going on these days when you're not here? When I'm not here, uh, you can find me at Twitter at Trey Harness Link. Still doing the horse racing grind, mine. It's a busy time of year. Uh, what does, there's at least what, I think a stake race a, a week or if not even more right now in North America. So a lot of money getting dished out in horse racing right now. Um, I have my horse racing news podcast show. I'm not sure what to call it. Wednesdays at one central and Saturdays at 10 AM central. We're going to take the show on the road too. I'm going to Calgary mm. next weekend. As long as the smoke is fine. Um, watch what they got going on there they have a mental awareness day on the track there and then exactly a month today it's the pepsi north american cup in toronto that the horses race for a million dollars at least so uh, i got my tickets booked for that one and i'm hoping to go to i got my tickets for uh tie cats uh and argos on the sunday so oh nice pretty, yeah pretty excited there was not many tickets left i i forgot about hamilton playing and that they uh, travel well to toronto so i wasn't thinking there was going to be a Hard to get tickets. And also, it's uh, the Argos home opener, I believe, as well. So you can be there for the banner raising. Uh, We're working out outfits, right? Uh, We talked about what does a bomber fan wear when going to a Ticats and Argos game where they raise the banner for beating the bombers? See, the, 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 like, the purest in me is like, just wear the bomber jersey, man. But then there's also me like, ah, Maybe I'll put the Jays one on or something, so I have my blue, but I can blend in a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. I I, Maybe- I, st- I still think my suggestion: you wear the bomber jersey and you wear Adams or Ider's hat to go with it. Yeah, I think they'll I think they'll embrace me as long. Well, there's gonna be a lot of Tie Cat fans, so I think that they'll be too busy with the Argo fans, and the Argo fans will be too busy with the Tie Cat fans that I'll uh, I'll be able to sneak in undetected. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, make sure you check out also the other members of the podcast crew that aren't here tonight. Mike is on Twitter at Mike Garrell. Uh, you know, always busy with all of the different hockey things he's got going on there. Uh, Adam's on Twitter at Adam Stewart one. Uh, he's doing a lot of farming stuff right now. It started the big old farm season there for him. Uh, so make sure you check out uh, all that stuff. If you want to learn more about Adam's farming endeavors, uh, or his, uh, you know, real push to get the Arizona coyotes to, uh, to um, move to uh, Saskatoon. I saw Adam was pushing hard for that today, you know, maybe putting in a bid himself, I wonder. 
of course, I say this seeing that he's in the YouTube chat and listening to everything I say. Uh, Adam, you're not using the podcast money for that. We'd go bankrupt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much it for us. I guess the last thing here also is, once again, uh, if you want to chat with us in between episodes, I mean, we're here once a week, every Wednesday. Uh, but if you want to chat CFL with us in between, uh, come join the CFC Discord community and we'll uh, talk about all things CFL, training camps, you know, games are starting up soon, so fun chats during those, uh, as well, additional content uh, during the season perhaps there also, and uh, fun events uh, that you can get involved in uh, as they come out. Uh, we're still in the early stages of it, so we're still working out, you know, exactly how we're using it, but... Uh, don't miss out on all the fun there. Check the description on the video or audio, uh, and uh, there's a link in there. Now you can come join us in our Discord community. Uh, let's see, oh, just checking the YouTube comments. Anything else before we head out? Adam says, would $50 a piece buy the Coyotes and move them to Theodore? Our locker rooms are better. You know what, uh, Adam, uh, as the official, non-official podcast sponsor of the Theodore Buffaloes, uh, wouldn't want to crowd the locker room. You know, we got to stick with the brand we've got. I, I think there we've got a, we've got a good team in place there. Big season, uh, big championship season there for Theodore Buffaloes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes tweeted about them coming on down to KC. So I mean, that's tough to compete with that too. Oh yeah. Hey, yeah. Where will the Arizona Arizona Coyotes go if Batman ever lets them finally leave? Uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we always appreciate if you do the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. On behalf of Trey and myself, uh, thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.